welcome to Hearts and Minds. My name is Catherine McMahon and I'm joined here with Maura Cassidy. Hello. So today we're going to talk about the Mass because we are back at Mass. We are. And we've been back at Mass. Our churches have opened for the last couple of weeks now. And um, I think what strikes me sometimes is um, going to Mass is, is, is a habit we have for, for a lot of us. But, um, and maybe for some of us, we were really looking forward to going to Mass, you know, because we haven't had it for so long. Um, but in other cases, um, it just seemed, might seem like such an effort, you know, particularly if you have a family with kids. Um, it's like another routine you have to re-embed. And even some people, it could be just a little anxiety, you know, will I be able for this? Because we just had no routines. So the fact of going back consistently, um, you know, maybe you can just be thinking, I'm just not feeling this. Um, or simply that because of COVID, everything's at the same level of sort of God, you know, priority. Yeah, you're back on the treadmill again. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a great opportunity to zoom out the lens, you know, to think that not everything's at the same level of priority. And um, there is a sense of what the mass is and what it does for us and why we actually need it. It's it's not a f- formality or routine. And, and first and foremost, I think it's good for us to ask the question, well, why do we have it? What's what is it for me? And and the most important thing I think is that what it really is is it's God with us. Um, you know, God Jesus gave us the Eucharist so that He can always be close to us. Um, and it's, it's it is the most historic moment in the history of humanity. Actually, you know, when you think about it in terms of our own you know, individual and our, you know, universal moment of salvation. You know, all of history is condensed into that one moment. And the climax is when, you know, as Catholics, we believe the bread and wine is turned into the body and blood of Christ sacramentally. And of course, because we can't see the body and blood, you know, it's not like a CSI movie or something, you know, series, we just, we find that challenging sometimes, you know, because we're so used to being hyperstimulated in our senses, you know, after all our Netflix is very little that we can't imagine because everything's been on the screen. And I think it's a good moment, though, for us to realize, you know, he is there because if he did appear in that way, you know, like as if he was, you know, the body and blood of Christ right in front of us, we wouldn't really have a choice whether to believe or not. Which I think so is he beautiful. Gives, he gives us our freedom to choose. Yeah. yeah, it's like the gentleness of God, mm. you know, and that lovely um, passage, you know, in the Bible where it talks about God isn't in the in the wind; God is in the, that just gentle breeze, um, and that's it. That's the same for us in twenty first century. The other lovely thing I think about the Mass, and particularly in these times, is the communion of saints. You know. We're, we believe that all of the church is present at the Mass. So it's us, though, you know, us kind of making our way, you know, you might say the church militant, as we're called, um, the church triumphal, which is those who've gone before us and are in heaven, you know, and then the church suffering in, in purgatory, those who just aren't there yet, but they're nearly there. And I think in this time of, this time of, I suppose, the history of the world with COVID, you know, for, for many people, you know, it was a time when their loved ones passed away and, um, and they're there. Mm. You know, they're there at present at that mass. All the angels, all the saints are there. And um, it's a little bit like a Marvel film, you know, like an epic movie. You know, all of history is present in that moment. And I think it's a really nice time to connect with the saints, with those who've gone before us um, and to realize, well, this is this is a moment, a truly historic moment. Um, it is like a little synopsis, the mass of the past, the present and the future, because it's the past because we're recalling the memory of Christ's passion. Um, it's the present because at that moment we're connecting with that singular moment and we're being filled with God's grace. 
And then it's a pledge for the future glory. So it's 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 where we're going in the future. We know that our future is secure, mm. you know, because God has sort of sorted that out. We just need to stay close to him in the interim, which is our journey. Um, so it is timeless. And each each moment in the Mass, I think, is it's good for us to think about it because there are, you know, it's the liturgy. So there are, you know, it's, it's you might say, God's language. So we sort of have to follow the language of God as we go through it, which is different to our language, you know. And um, so the first part is God welcomes us. The priest welcomes us. Um, and the second moment is where we we make peace with our sin, with our sins. You know, we leave the little sins behind. We say the I confess. Um, and that's that's really, really lovely because we can also recall the little sins that we've maybe had with each other on the way there. Um, the readings is a moment to connect with the generations of 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 our forefathers, the Jews, um, and, and, and our family of Christians that have gone before us. And in the readings, they recount their relationship with God, his story with them, you might say. And that's a great point for connection with us because we just realize that really not a whole pile has changed. Like reading the Bible stories, mm. sometimes they're a little bit... Well, Sobering. Well, I, well, I'm not that bad, <laughs> you know. And and then, you know, even St. Paul, you know, they're recently reading the letter, you know, about St. Paul. And, you know, the early Christians had a big problem trusting him, you know, because, you know, you weren't exactly on our page. You were, you know, you were persecuting us and, and we have to forgive you. And this takes time and this takes patience and this takes grace. So we shouldn't be surprised ourselves if, if things take time, you know. It's not just, you know turn the page moment sometimes, mm. you know. I like the way it's actually connected up. Like it's not that the old, the first reading, the responsorial psalm, the second reading in the gospel are all isolated pieces, but they're yes. all connected, which is very nice. So the first reading, which is the Old Testament, connects with the responsorial psalm, which is a psalm of the Old Testament. And then you're connected into the second reading, which is the New Testament and then the gospel. So it's you you see the history of salvation throughout those pieces and it helps you to realize that God is there mm. in each moment it's yeah I've just yeah and it's helpful. thematic so mm. as you, exactly as you say so if you don't get it in the old testament you might get it in the new testament reading and then in the gospel and it's lovely how the church like a good mother kind of you know like a mom is preparing your nutrition preparing our spiritual nutrition and you know there's there's actual cycles in a b and c so yeah. in the, in so the Sunday you mass, have to read the whole bible over three years if you well, you'd certainly read the big sections of it, the most important mm. sections of it, which is really lovely. You don't actually have to go and do it yourself. It's, it's there for you. Um, the gospel, of course, is Jesus speaking to us directly. You know, so even just that lovely one we read recently, let not your hearts be troubled. You know, believe in the Father, believe also in me. And I think that's a beautiful one because the humility of God to say, listen, you, will, you can believe in me too. You know, it's almost like a plea. Mm. And this is God. You know, he's so hungry for our love. Um, St. Josemaria used to say, he said, you know, with Jesus always present in the tabernacle, we never have a reason to be lonely. And that's also beautiful because so often, you know, we let people down or other people let us down and maybe it's big, maybe it's not so big, but God is always there, mm. you know, and I think that's really helpful for us. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded of the obvious and sometimes a difficult moment, you know, for a familiar truth to hit home. You know, Jesus is here on earth for you. He's not an add-on, an extra, a little routine. We hard need to, him. It's hard to see the Mass only as a community gathering, you know. But yeah, very true. I mean, it's, it's obviously there is an element of community in it, you know. We well, are the family of, of the church yeah, gathering the together. Of the but it's also to me about you and God in that moment, you and Jesus Christ. And even in the sense of sometimes, you know, throughout the week we may think, you know, I really, really don't have time to pray. You know, the Mass is really your 
moment to pray par excellence. Mm. You know, the liturgy is the height of prayer. And to kind of look at it like that, I, I think, mm. helps, you know, to enter into the Mass with that sense of this is my moment to actually connect with our Lord, to actually see the readings as a dialogue together, mm. you know, not just passively passing. sitting there on the sidelines as if you're, you know, you're watching the match, but you're on the sidelines as a sub, you mm. know, you're actually a player, mm. you know. Yeah, it's it's their mass, but it's also our mass, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's we're there at that, that moment because God wanted us there. It's our family history. And we, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, the offertory is a beautiful moment where we offer who we are and what we do here and now. And I think that's beautiful. It's like heaven and earth really connect in that moment. So it's very real, the personal, the petitions, the concerns, the joys, the aspirations that we put there, you know, the people close to me. Um, and even just the, that little rubric, you know, where the you know, little action of the priest where he, he, you know, he's putting the wine into the, into the chalice and he put, takes a little, little, little spoon and he mm. drops a little bit of water in. And I, you know, you can't, it looks kind of almost like, why would you do that? Because not just pour, you know, what's the point of that? And this is a significance in it because that's a reminder to us is that God wants to count an our little drop uh, and it's only a tiny drop and it's a symbol of our littleness in God's greatness and power and that's all he needs is what the little that we have to bring is enough and because sometimes we can be a little bit in awe of God you know whereas the truth of the matter is he doesn't want us to feel in, in awe in that sense fearful but he does want us to realize that he needs us and he's chosen to need us which is a beautiful thing. Um, and then, of course, we we have the Eucharistic prayer, which is the final climax. You know, it's a build up. And there's it, that lovely point of the Eucharistic prayer which is called the Epiclesis, where the priest calls on the Holy Spirit to come down on the gifts and to turn them miraculously into the body and blood of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit transforms, you know, the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Christ, you know, which is an act of faith that we have to make. Um, and... And I just, it is, it is like, you know, you might say time, the clock stop at that moment. The challenge for us, of course, is there's no big rumbling in heaven. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing external to indicate it. Yeah, there's a, there can be a lot of distractions as well. You know, the typical kid in front of you staring you down. <laughs> <laughs> the one running up and down and down. Oh, whatever. Yeah, you or get you totally wish. locked into kind of like a situation and then you find, thank God for the bell. That's all I say. You know, there's a moment where you can actually, you know, connect back to what's actually happening at the altar. Yeah, there's a lot lot of the mundane happening, but God is there and he's okay with that too. Um, That happened in the Last Supper, you know, they were kind of winging. They were semi-distracted. Very distracted. Mm. uh, Well, and I suppose before they were having little squabbles about who's the biggest in the the kingdom of heaven and stuff. So that's power of the course and thankfully God is very understanding Um, and we need to be understanding ourselves. But, and then of course, after the the Eucharistic prayer, then we have, um, in that, the beautiful thing, say the Eucharistic prayer goes back to the early Christian times. Like we can find remnants of that prayer in, in many documents, historic documents. And I think it's beautiful for us to know that, that many of our forefathers said this prayer, whether it's in the catacombs or in their small churches, they said this prayer. So it's an incredible feeling to think that this, the power of that. And then of course, communion. And, the, and well, before communion, of course, we have the prayer of peace. Mm. And um, and that's that's tremendous because, of course, we can come to, it's a reminder of what our Lord says in the gospel, that it's it's good that we leave all our little domestics foibles. at home and foibles, mm. you know, and it's a good moment for us to kind of make peace there and ask God because it's God's peace, which is very, very different to ours, you know. Mm. Our peace is, is sometimes just quiet and 
that kind of, your mother's kind of, would you give me a bit of peace? Whereas God's peace is deep, mm. it's long lasting, it's forgiveness. Yeah, I remember at one stage, I have to say when you go to Mass in other countries, it does reveal to you a little bit more about the meaning of the Mass, because sometimes, you know, you're in your own culture and you're in Ireland and and you get used to the Mass in a sense. But when you go to another country, and I remember at one stage I, I went to Nicaragua for this uh, volunteer project and Nicaragua had gone through really, really rough time, you know, and there was um, politically and socially. So during Mass, what they do is at the moment of peace, the priest encourages people to get up from their get up from the bench and go to any part of the church where they think they're not um, at peace with somebody. So when we were there, it was just so striking because you're, 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 you're standing there and then all of a sudden everybody's kind of getting out of the bench and walking down the aisle to somebody. And just, I have to say, just seeing that transparency and that sense of this mass means something to me, you know, it's, Mm. it's not just, I'm going through the motions. I'm actually, this is going to spill out into my life. Found it. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's very helpful. It's life changing, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it is, it's a lovely reminder to us that our, that's what our faith is called to be, that it makes us different, it makes us better and that it has an impact and mm-hmm. people need to see it actually. Um, and that's leading up to the communion, you know, because when we receive the Holy, our Lord and Holy Communion, we become him which sounds a little strange, but, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Saint Augustine talked about this. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas would say that even our faults elevate us. You know, we're, ele- we're, ele- we're elevating God, really, rather, our faults elevate God. And St. Augustine, we become him. He changes us into um, us, not that uh, we change him. Hmm. And um, and we need faith for that, you know. Um, and I think that's uh, very helpful for us to, th- to think about that hmm. because we find it hard to think that, We've become holy just in that moment. Yeah, and yet, just by consuming. Consuming, because we've done nothing about it. We're in such a proactive world that we put in our inputs and our outputs and it doesn't seem a whole pile of input mm. there on our behalf. Mm. Or, but that's the way God works. And then, of course, we've, you know, the priest sends us on our way, as it were, and we have that time when maybe we can, after Mass, say, you know, do a Thanksgiving. And that's a lovely, a lot of the saints had that lovely tradition, a custom of spending 10 minutes after Mass because our Lord is is, is still in us. You mm. know, he hasn't been dissolved, as it were. Um, and it, it is a great moment to thank him for all the things that we need to thank him for, because if we don't thank, um, you know, we don't really appreciate and we get used to things and we become indifferent and we become a little bit selfish. And I think there's a lovely phrase which which says, for the things that I'm unaware of, and I think that's a beautiful thing, even to say, God, there are probably a million things that I'm unaware of that you've done for me, and I just want to thank you for those. Um, and, and, and our Lord is okay with that, you know. Um, I suppose the next big thing, really, when you think about the Mass, apart from, you know, the, the, the elements of it, is what we get out of the Mass, you know, very sort of Gen Z and millennial, what's in it for me. But I think the the, the big thing is strength, you know. Um, we need to believe we get strength, you know. Um, we get grace um, from, you know, faith, hope and charity, okay. And the sacraments are a source of grace, but the Eucharist is touching God, okay. So to, to zoom out the lens even a little bit more is that when you think of faith, hope and charity, faith, they're like the primary colours of, 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 of God, you know, um, and like all primary colours, they're the basis of everything else. So every gift, um, every fruit of the Holy Spirit, all of that originates in the faith, hope and charity. And faith is like our identity. We're children of God, you know, we're, um, hope 
it, hope is like the flash forward of, well, um, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I, that's that's where, what's the end game of this life. And then charity is the in-between bit. This is what God asks me to do. So in the Mass, we get the strength, we get that grace of faith, hope and charity. Okay. Um, but it's God's power. You know, um, it's it's a hymn in the Eucharist. It's a spiritual food, which is incredible. Um, and it's the, the receiving of our Lord in the Eucharist is, a, is, you know, everything else that went before it in the Old Testament, you know, Melchizedek, you know, or um, the Jews, the man in the desert when they were there with Moses. All of that is a prefigurement of the Eucharist. And you think about the Jews, you know, we can be so critical when we read it. Oh, here they are giving God the Father another Barney, would they just get it together? And you're just thinking, <laughs> they're murdering each other. <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, I just kind of think, you know, they had just a little bit of this fluffy bread, which sounds like the man the in the desert. Yeah. But it was like breadcrumbs, you know. I don't know how I'd survive in breadcrumbs for that long. <laughs> I often think about that because it was kind of like, it almost sounds like there was breadcrumbs on sand. Well, that And I was thinking, so that's really problematic to actually sift that out. Well, anyway, whatever anyway. they did... I wouldn't say it was the most delicious experience. Mm. But the point is, is that we have Christ, you know, and we can be so kind of, oh, yeah, whatever. And I think um, I think it's just that faith, you know, um, faith is really, really important in the sense of our act of faith because God, it, it's, it's, it, every grace precedes faith, if you know what I mean. So we, I suppose the faith that we have that um, that we get the strength from the Eucharist that it, it, it gives us, it gives us capacity, you know, um, like if you look at the early Christians, okay, the early Christian, there was an early Christian community in Tunisia in the year 304, okay, there were 49 martyrs, okay, they were discovered, I think it was in one of the persecutions of Diocletian, and they were, they were attending mass, and they rounded up, they were brought before a tribunal and said, were you saying mass? This is like, Lord, you know, you're going to die. And they said, they didn't just say, well, yeah, sort of, we were, kind of. They said, without Sunday, we are nothing. And you just go, wow, like, would I say that, you know? Mm. And it's a reminder, I suppose, that they really believed in it and they lived, they found the strength of the Mass and the food to do good came from the Mass. And sometimes we wonder, you know, I don't really manage certain things, you know, good habits or virtues, and oh, I'm not really that patient, mm, not that kind. Um, but are we getting the energy we need? In the same way as if yeah, you're going to run a marathon, you've got yeah. a real routine of your food and your nutrition and your la-la-la. And, but are we getting that sort of spiritual nutrition that we need to live spiritually at mm. the level that God hopes for us and at the highest human level, really, because that's what Christianity is. It's it's a call to live like an enhanced human being, mm. effectively. And, um, and I think we can just be a bit reductionist about the Mass. You know, we don't expect much of it. We don't know its power. Um, we And maybe what we need to do is go ask and beg and act as if God had already granted what we expected from it. Yeah, and I also think like for those people who feel like they can't receive communion for whatever reason, you know, because, you know, we all have various situations going on. It doesn't reduce the ability for our Lord to give that grace, you know, to give a grace specifically for you, you know, and sometimes if if we can't receive communion, we kind of think, well, why am I going to go to mass? But there's so many other graces there that we can, we can lose sight of them. And I think if you, if you go with that sense of, you know, before you go to mass and you're there in your first, you know, two minutes sitting there, you know, kneeling there to really set the stage for yourself of kind of, Lord, help me to re receive you you know, even either in communion or not in communion, but help me to receive you. Our Lord will inevitably give us 
you know, a, a special grace, you know, mm. not in lights and colors, but over time it does spill out into our lives and we do notice mm. it. So. Yeah, it's it's like as if, well, God goes ahead of us and he always reaches us. Mm. So he'll find a way. You know, that's why even during the time of COVID when we couldn't go to mass, you know, the spiritual communions that we'd say after when the priests consumed the Eucharist and we couldn't obviously receive, you know, the tr- the teaching of the church is, is the power of the spiritual communion can exceed the grace of receiving our Lord. And so it's, 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 we, we sometimes can be, as I said, reductionist about God thinking, well, because I'm not yeah, in this situation, not in, in that situation, line, yeah, yeah. God can't reach me and God will always reach us, mm. you know? Um, so I think that's, and not to reduce God's love to what we would, or the way we love, you know, well, if you don't do this, I won't do that. And if you don't do the other, well, guess what? God doesn't do that at all. He just keeps loving and he finds a way to love us as we need. And it's also beautiful to put before God, look, I'm not there yet. No matter what it is, because say, God, I want to be there, but I'm not there. And God won't force force our consciences either. Mm. So it's being able to say, look, help me to get to where I need to get to, because that's what's going to make me ultimately happy. And that's a lovely prayer because it's a complete prayer of commitment and a complete trust. And it gives us a lot of peace, peace of soul, you know, because some circumstances are beyond our control, you know, so yeah, it trust exactly. to rectify them singularly, mm. you know, there's more people involved. Um the other element, I suppose, is unity, you know, um, because, well, of course, in the first mass, what does the Lord do? But he washes their feet. You know, he's just about to have the crucifixion. He washes their feet. I just find that whole sense of timing phenomenal. And that was so important for our Lord to do that. And I think that's a lovely thing for to remind us that, um, I, you know, I too can forgive. I too can love. I can. It is a grace. And so we need to really beg our Lord for it. But it is possible and it's necessary. You know, wherever God is among you, as the hymn says, well, there's unity. Wherever there's unity, God will be there. Um, so forgiveness. Um, and not to take unity for granted, I think sometimes. No, you're right. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think sometimes we can be, we can take it for granted and, and kind of permit divisiveness, mm. you know, even within the church or, you know, or within our families, our communities. And kind of to realize unity really is there is a proactive element of building that you you, you need to do, mm. you know, um, and to know that the the mass is definitely a representation of that. Mm. That's worth gleaning from it, you know. Mm. So. Absolutely. Um, and then I suppose that the, the deepest human need we all have is for love and friendship. And the mass that's met, you know, and again, just to something I read of St. Josemaria during the week, you know, he said, when you approach the tabernacle, remember he's been waiting there for you for 20 centuries. And... Um, and I, that's a beautiful thing that God of our faith, he's not a distant being. He's not happy. He, he just couldn't be reconciled with that. He And the joy of the mass is precisely the realization that God has loved us to the point of overflowing. Like he didn't need to do this. He didn't need to be in the Eucharist. So, you know, God is God. He can love us wherever the way he sees fit. But he always wanted to be close to us. And the Blessed Trinity is, you might say, fallen in love with each one of us which we find practically impossible to imagine or remember or think about. But that's it. And he's, the, God has made his love for us permanent in the Eucharist. So whenever there's a church in our area, you know, and there's Blessed Sacrament in there, that's God for me telling me, apart from all the other events of my life, that he loves me permanently, unconditionally and forever. Um, I think sometimes just to say we think that um, Holy Communion or the Mass is something, you know, um, for people who are really good. Yeah. And it's 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 not. It's it's for people who are journeying. Yeah, and I think sometimes I hear it sometimes from people when they return back to practicing or they're kind of, you know, thinking about it or whatever. They get very caught up in 
how people see them as they're coming into the church, you know, and am I standing up or sitting down or kneeling down or, you know, I'm sure somebody's, you know, they're looking at me or, you know, and I I don't think, I, I think that is a bit of a temptation that maybe that happens and it's actually not true. Like, I think everybody else is just thinking about other things. They could be thinking about that their chicken is in the oven back at home and they, they left it on, <laughs> like they left the oven on. Um, so everybody has their own little world going on, you know, and um I think it's just helpful to have that sense of, you know, it's it's okay. You, you don't have to kind of know the ins and outs of the mass mm-hmm. to actually go in and sit there, you know. And I think it is beautiful to have that sense of comfort to 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 let people be, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and mm. just just know that you're always welcome. Mm. Well, we're all part of God's family, you know. Each one of us is a child, or you know, child of God. So we don't need anybody else's vindication or affirmation or sense of you're, it's okay, we let you in kind of thing. Um, and I think that's in a, on another level. I think what's also lovely is to see that our church, well, during COVID is a bit exceptional, but it's lovely when you see churches open and everybody coming in and out. Like, just to say, like Clarendon Street in town or Marion Road, there's people coming in and out all the time. They're all different kinds and shapes and sizes. And some go right up to the front, sit way at the back. Some people go to the shrine of Our Lady of Succor or go to the shrine of Padre Pio or whatever it is. Everybody does their thing. And that's the nature of the Catholic Church. It's for everybody and it's open to everybody. And, and it's in our Lord. Like he was criticized because he hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners. Well, and we need to claim that space all the time. Mm. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we never really mentioned the devil in our podcast, but I suppose <laughs> the devil does get in there. He goes, who do you think you are? Sure, everybody knows you're not from these parts and that you're Mary Magdalene. <laughs> well, guess what? Mary Magdalene is one of the greatest saints of the church. Mm. And it has all, most of the popes, in fact, many of the great saints who are popes were great devotees of Mary Magdalene. So irrespective of where we think we fit in the, in the, in the spectrum of things, we belong. Mm. And we need to claim that space for our own. And I think that's really important. That's super. Okay, I think we'll end with that on the, on the high note. Um, so thanks very much. And uh, we'll see you again shortly. Super. Super.